Hey, hey, welcome to Why Are We Whispering with me, Jenny Gay, author, stepmom, and all-around truth seeker and teller. If you're tuning in, you too are tired of sugar-coated content and conversations. This is the place where I put a megaphone to the mouths of adults, talking about life experiences that most of us find too shameful, too uncomfortable, too traumatic, and too embarrassing to discuss openly. We dive headfirst into experiences, thoughts, and behaviors that we keep secret or hush-hush, never truly speaking honestly and openly about them, but that most of us have in common. And I'm talking about it because life can be hard, it can be ugly, and it can be painful. And guess what? It's like that for all of us. So let's stop whispering. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you are listening, it will be because you, like most of us, don't know much about menopause, as in what symptoms to look for, when it starts, when it finishes, what it does to our bodies, and what products and services that are currently available to help us move through it with the least amount of discomfort. It's estimated that there are about 15 and a half million women who are currently peri or menopausal in the UK. That's approximately a third of the entire UK population, and that's a huge portion of us. And yet most of us are walking blind and receiving misinformation, or worse, no information. I am beyond honored and excited to have Heather Jackson joining me on the podcast today. Heather is the co-founder of Gen M, which is the menopause partner for brands. She's an expert in the field of gender-balanced businesses and diversity and is a successful serial entrepreneur. She is currently a contributor to CNN, BBC, Sky News, and The Times, and she's going to lend us her insights and expertise today. So thank you so much for being on the podcast, Heather. Honestly, Jenny, thank you very much here. You've bigged me up too much. I'm not an expert. I am a perimenopausal woman who actually (laughs) decided that the world deserved better for us, and I represent one billion women globally who are currently menopausal. And so as much as an expert as anybody on menopause but actually I do know what we need to do and I do know what we deserve better so that's I'm really looking forward to talking to you today. Well we thank you for trailblazing we need more of you. Thank you very much. (laughs) So Heather why do you think we treat the word menopause as if it's a bad word or a cursed or cursed word? Why do so many of us both men and women whisper when the topic comes up? I just think it's 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 been about our past. It's been about our evolution. Our mothers never really talked about it, and our mothers' mothers certainly didn't. We just got on. We made do. We mended. And actually, I think this is the first generation of women. You know, we're here now. We've been trailblazers all our lives. We've been able to prove that you can have choice and control to take your careers, to choose your life, to have kids, to not have kids. If you've been fortunate to be able to to do that, but you know, and and take your careers forward. And I think we're a different generation now the first generation we are as women who actually have the ability to live longer post pre-production than pre-reproduction and I don't know about you Jenny but I don't want to live longer if I'm going to feel like shit and actually so do I really think that you know there's been the taboo and everything else but it's a perfect storm now we're a generation of women who've absolutely been trailblazers and when it's come to the part now where we've hit something that we know nothing about we feel we need to know more about it and we want our next generation of women below us to be better prepared so that's in 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 a reason why you know I'm not going to go through the histrionics of you know about taboos and not taboos we're all changing taboos from periods to incontinence to to now menopause it's a great time for change for women but actually we can't stop on anything everything's got to be opened up and let's get on with it sort it out and move on and the faster we can move on the better we can live life so I'm not a great answer to your question, but I do not want to go on about the lives of taboos. I want to see why is it now that we as women are deciding enough change has got to happen and we're a different style of woman now coming into the 21st century. Couldn't agree more. So there's also an assumption when we talk about perimenopause or menopause um, that all menopause is natural. Right. Um, Can you talk us through some of the ways um, that women can experience menopause that is not naturally onset? Because that's not something you hear much about when we hear things about menopause. Never is it ever about that. So that well, well, I think as well, there's two elements to that, Jenny, because first of all, 
menopause let's just define menopause menopause is one day in our lives when we've not had a period for 12 months it's just that one day it's the perimenopausal journey and and what comes with menopause then that we have to think about and the average woman believes really that menopause comes when we're in our late 40s early 50s and when I say average woman I am one of those average women I believe that what could be so hard my periods are going to stop I might have a few hot sweats but hey ho you know I've gone through a single motherhood business run and everything else a a, a father of my kids who unfortunately died you think what can be you know I've been through life what can be hard about my period stopping actually two things one perimenopause can start anywhere from 38 naturally as a yep. build-up to our menopause. And secondly, what we don't remember think about is some women will get early menopause. And early menopause has been cases of women having it from the age of 18. Early menopause and then the surgical menopause. If you've had to go into surgery for a cancer, you will you will be get, coming out of, often with surgical menopause. And that isn't a 15-year build-up to this point of place it's overnight you hit it so you know 10% of women of our population of those 15 and a half million women in the UK will possibly have an earlier menopause than they are actually preparing for so when women say it's not got anything to do with me menopause or it's decades off be careful what you wish for because preparation's key it could hit many women anytime through different circumstances So that's, I mean, that's a really good segue into my next um, question. And me, like I know a lot of my friends and the women that I know, um, quite ignorant and blind to the, to the fact that there are more than just the hot flashes um, in terms of symptoms and don't know what to look out for. Don't know when is the time that I need to start getting my hormones checked and start looking into this. So what are some of the symptoms of, Well, I believe you say there's 48 yeah, there's, well, there's 48 signs and symptoms. And the, again, the average woman from the Gen M research that we've been doing can only name between three to five symptoms. So until we understand what's going to be happening to our bodies and what to look out for, is it any wonder we're having poor experience of menopause? Because yeah. menopause shouldn't be debilitating. It's not a medical issue. It's a life transition. But as much as you and I, we wouldn't get up having not trained all year and actually eaten biscuits and sat on the sofa in our dressing gowns we wouldn't just get up and say oh do you know what I'm just off to run a marathon you'd you know you'd train for a marathon you'd prepare for it you'd eat the right products you'd you'd be around the right social group for your training with a a club you get the right nutrients and supplements but you'd also buy the right kit as well now the right kit that suits you from your running trousers to whether you're going to run in shoes or whether you're going to wear in barefoot or where you know or whether you're going to wear train and leggings or shorts you work out what's going to be the best for you to be prepared for that experience so why in the 21st century world are we letting women enter the biggest marathon of their lives woefully unprepared because it's not just about the symptoms it's actually about the fact that most women think that menopause will last about two years well for the average woman it's eight years and for some women it's 15 years so if we don't better prepare ourselves, our body, our mental, physical and our mental and physical attitude to it, then how can we have a great experience of it? And I want women to have the opportunity to be able to thrive through menopause. And in 2023, many women, our researchers said most women fear menopause more in 2023 than they did in 2020 because the rhetoric has been negative. It's all been about the debilitating symptoms and it's been quite frightening when actually you'll be relieved to know 85% of women will say my menopause isn't that bad. Now, not that bad in a 21st century world suggests it could be better. And all Gen M want to be able to do is deliver choice for women to ensure that they have the opportunity to actually thrive and have a great menopause, not a not bad one. That's not on any scale of acceptable. No woman should actually aspire to have a not bad experience we want every woman to actually have the opportunity to go I'm going to have a great experience through my menopausal years because you know what this is the time I'm going to thrive this is the time I'm going to be at the peak of my career this is the time I'm going to have my best friendship groups my confidence should be there and actually kids I might have them in my teenage years I might have you know or they might have left home but this is the time I'm going to swing from the chandelier and this is going to be my time and we can't afford for women to feel invisible 
We need this time for them to feel invincible. And so the only way you can be invincible through menopause is to understand some of those 48 symptoms that you might be getting and understand what you can do to not just help support, ease or relieve them, but actually with attitude and preparation, you can actually get through these in a much better way. So live live with your menopause as your best friend rather than trying to pretend it's not happening. So um, we can talk about those 48 signs and symptoms. Many of them do surprise us all. But preparation's yeah. key, you know, how, you know, it's from brittle nails to acne, you start having skin changes, you might go, oh, do you know what, it's that makeup, new makeup I've been using, actually, I'll just change my makeup. But actually, acne can be one of those first signs of you're entering perimenopause. And if you keep ignoring all these symptoms, then they all pile up and then you do become overwhelmed and then you go, oh my God, I feel crap. I look crap, I feel, you know, I'm just not myself. But actually, if you can monitor everything and deal with some of them as they come along, bat them away, sort them out. Do you know what I mean? And um, it's not rocket science here. And I talk as a woman who absolutely entered perimenopause, totally woefully unprepared, totally ignorant of it. And I'm angry at myself and my mother in particular for how I entered my perimenopausal years. And I don't want any other woman doing this because we've got enough fun to be hit by a bus that we didn't see coming who wants that yeah well what perimenopausal symptoms did you experience that you weren't convinced were perimenopausal right well first of all hindsight has been a big thing for me hindsight has told me that actually I started perimenopause a lot earlier than I actually realized once I, I got detected but I started with aching bones I'd started with um, really aching bones and I mean people would say well you're climbing Kilimanjaro and you have to base Camp Everest because the truth is I'd cashed in on my business and before I hit perimenopause I was going to have my time my kids had all left home for the right reasons I was doing my bucket list I got cash in the bank it was like this was going to be my time and all of a sudden I started being overwhelmed I'd walk into a supermarket and they hadn't got the same, the strawberry yogurt that I wanted I'd suddenly burst into tears and it would become the biggest problem ever going you know I started having aches and butt pains and and total sleep depravity and fatigue and everyone felt that at the time was because I'd suddenly been 100 miles an hour running a business and then I'd cashed in and 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 it was like well obviously you're just adapting to your new role and it's like no I aspired to get to this role I didn't aspire to feel shit when I got there do you know what I mean and so I started having a test for you know and obviously my, my my brain fog people said well obviously you stop thinking about business you, you just you, you your body doesn't know what to do with itself so I went through dementia tests I went through tests for bone cancer I went through thyroid issues and um it, and everyone every doctor I went to see always said well are your periods regular and I go yeah regular as clockwork so no one ever made me question whether it was perimenopause I was entering and it was my my good friend Sam Simister who later became a co-founder of Gen M who said Heather I don't think because I ended up on antidepressants and I ended up on antidepressants because I'd been seven eight times to the doctors and I was getting embarrassed that everything was coming up negative and yet I felt so bad and so they put me on antidepressants and I took them purely because I thought I've got to the stage where I've got to take something else. I'm going to, you know. I've got to try something here. Yeah. Absolutely. So anyway, long story short, she said, I don't think you're depressed, Heather. I think you're perimenopausal. And then I looked into what the symptoms of perimenopausal was. And it was such a relief to realize I was perimenopausal. But when I said hindsight taught me, um, two years previous to that, um, whilst I was with, with my business, I w- did a big conference and the night before it, I was in Edinburgh and I woke up and I thought, um, I thought a metal bar had landed on my chest I was, and I couldn't breathe and and I, it just felt I got pressure on my chest, I couldn't breathe and I phoned um, the emergency services and I was rushed into hospital where they thought, I'd first of all, I'd had a heart attack or a stroke and then two days later with the test, they said, we think you've had a massive panic attack. Now, it was a one-off. Now, please forgive me on anyone who has never had a panic attack. I can understand why you think, oh, it's only a panic attack. Actually, it was the most frightening experience. And I will never, ever, ever not sympathize with people who get panic attacks. I've only had one in my life, and that was that. But the answer to all that was... That was the start of my perimenopause, anxiety and panic attack. It never happened again, ever. And, you know, again, I was woefully embarrassed by it when I found out that I'd been in hospital, scared my kids, and then it was like, you've had a panic attack. And I went, 
what only a panic attack you know it's like i do you know i do realize how debilitating they are but that panic attack was the onset of my perimenopause when i look back now i was 47 years old and um yeah, but again, just battered it off, got back to work, carried on doing everything, thought, oh, it was a one-off. Yeah, but that was, had I actually known what to look out for, then I would have been able to see other triggers that came along, like my bones, like my aches, like my brain fog. Do you so, know, yeah. it's, it's something I wanted to ask you, because I've been having quite a few, actually, conversations with friends of mine who are in their um, their 40s, mid-40s, um, yeah. to late 40s, um, and a lot of them feel like, they don't really recognize the person that they are anymore. And that um, they've now come to realize that they are in perimenopause. Um, But one of the main things and one of kind of the common denominators with a lot of my uh, female friends is that they felt like they couldn't stand their husbands anymore. Well, it's not just the husbands they can't stand. It's life full stop. It's from the children are irritating them. The work actually feels onerous and actually everything, everything feels hard work. Which is just, that's not something that people talk about because these women, all of them had the same thing to say is that they literally looked at their husbands and thought, I I fucking hate you. (laughs) I hate you. And and a lot of them said that they were smiling. (laughs) They were literally thinking about divorce. Yeah. Well, I mean, the highest rate, of, let's, let's be serious a moment, the highest rate of relationship breakdowns is in this period of life. The highest yep. rate of suicides in women is in this period of life. And the yep. highest rate of women leaving the workplace is in this period of time. So let's not pretend that menopause doesn't impact society as a whole because the people and the family around us are impacted as well. And I completely understand where some of your friends are going because I, I wasn't married and I didn't have a partner at the time. But my kids, and I think, you know, anyone living with you, it's not just you feeling it, they're feeling it as well. And my kids came to see me, my adult kids came to see me. I was so excited about it because, you know, once they've left home for all the right reasons and and they're happy, you actually do look forward to them coming back. You spend years hoping they're going to leave, but then when you do, you look forward to them coming back. And I was really excited to have them back. But as soon as they pulled back that, that Saturday morning, I could feel this gremlin inside me actually building up to have an argument with them and be a bitch I could feel it coming on and it was the last thing I wanted anyway nothing was right everything I just was terrible and they turned around and said mum you know I don't know what's wrong with you but right now we don't like you and I think we should just go and just give you a bit of space and I burst into tears and said well that's fine because you might not like me but I don't like myself and you can leave me but I can't leave me. And, and, and it, but it's a fact. Many of your friends will feel that same way. Yeah. It's our hormones all over the place. But again, I wasn't getting the treatment. I wasn't eating right. I wasn't eating the right yeah. nutrition. I hadn't got the right support. I didn't know that this was my menopause. Now, one, we don't as women deserve to go through it. But my God, our families don't deserve it either. And so we do need to have an open understanding of what are the symptoms, how could it impact me, and how as a family unit or how as a work colleague unit are we going to get ourselves through this? Because it's not just a woman's issue. It's our whole family group, friendship group, work group around us because we shouldn't have to go through it. And let's be honest, you know, we didn't go to the doctors when we got our first spot on our t- face as a teenager. We didn't go, oh, my God, I've, I've, I've entered puberty. What do I need to do? Society prepared us. We were going to be monosyllabic occasionally. We were going to have breakdowns. We we're going to have spots that came out. But unless it got really bad, then we'd go to the doctors. But through society and our friendship groups, we found solutions to what we were needing to do. And actually, the big problem with perimenopause and menopause is we've not talked about it. We don't know what to do and we don't know what's right and wrong. And actually, this isn't about your husband or your partner. This is actually about something that's impacting the family life, the, the life, the, your life as a, an individual and your work life as well. And we've got to absolutely stop thinking, one, I can't do anything about it, or two, I, I'll just live with this. No one needs to live with a person that they look at in a mirror and don't recognize anymore. If you want your old self back, your old self is perfectly capable of coming back. This is just a minor blip in your life. Don't live with the 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 image that you're seeing of yourself physically, mentally and emotionally. Get yourself back to the person that you were. And I, and I say that harshly because it's very easy to go, well, this is me now for the next few years. 
<laughs> you know, it. Why? You know, I, I loved what Sarah Beanie said the other day about her relationship and her marriage. And obviously, she's just come through cancer. And you know, the husband turned around and said, "Look, I'm not going to leave you." But we've got two options here. We can live together unhappily or we can live together happily, one or the other. Mm. And actually, I'm saying you can't escape menopause, but you can actually decide whether you're going to thrive through it or you're going to actually endure it. And there's two different mm. attitudes to it. So let's talk about those symptoms and let's move on. But for any, for, any of your friends, yeah, for any of your friends out there, I feel the pain, but actually d be careful what you wish for. Actually... If you bring your husband or your partner or your family into this conversation and stop batting it and pretending it's their problem or it's them, actually open up and talk about it and say, how can we work ourselves through this? You'll be surprised. Our research shows 66% of men feel helpless about menopause and six, mm. you know, and the same with partner relationships, whether it's man, woman, 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 whatever combination. Helpless is a good stage in a partnership because helpless suggests they're not ignorant. They just don't know what to do. So yeah. help them because no one's got it right here. Don't go blaming yourself. Don't go blaming society. None of us have got it right. So actually, but together we can make a difference. And so he or she may have the better answers than you've got for yourself on how you can help yourself through this. Do you, do you know what I mean? So Absolutely. talk openly. Perfect. And so let's let's go through those 48. Yeah, too right. Because we need to empower ourselves with the information before we yeah. can solve the problem. Yeah, can I just add one more thing to any friend who's having been through a divorce? Getting divorced is more costly than getting hold of your menopause. And actually, yeah. <laughs> so, you know. Know she, so a few of them actually, they got on the um, HRT and, and started wearing the patches, which we can talk about. In a, and, and, you know, everyone's going to, um, every kind of treatment is going to be different depending yeah. on who the person is. But she was like, the second I slapped that patch on, She's like, I felt like a different person. I loved my husband again. I wanted to have sex with him again. So it was like all of these, yeah. you know, yeah. problems started to be solved, um, you know, through education and, yeah. and obviously treatment. And we will so, go on to HRT because the research, it's, you know, the question HRT or not to HRT, it's all about life choice. But if you can't take HRT or it doesn't suit you, there are other ways you can still get all those same reactions yes. back naturally. So uh, all good stuff here. Perfect. Okay, so should we start with, I mean, you have them alphabetically on your website, which is amazing. Yeah. So do you want to go first? Why not? Acne. Altered skin. Anxiety. Bladder weakness. Bloating. Body odor. Brain fog. Breathing difficulties. Burning mouth syndrome. Changes in breast size. Changes in sex drive. Changes in skin texture. Changes in taste and smell. Decreasing fertility. Dental problems. Depression. Dizziness. Dry eyes. Dry mouth. Fatigue. Feeling cold. Headache and migraines. Heart palpitations. Hot flushes. Irregular periods. Irritability. Itchy crawly skin. Joint pain. Lack of motivation. Loss of bone density. Loss of concentration. Loss of confidence and self-esteem. Mood swings. Muscle tension. Nail changes. Nausea and digestive problems. Night sweats. Recurrent UTIs. Panic disorders. Sagging breasts. Short-term memory issues. Sleep issues and insomnia. Sore breasts. Thinning hair. Tingling extremities. Vaginal dryness. Weight gain. And worsening PMS. So as you can see, there's 48 signs and symptoms, and I'm sure there will be more over time that are recognized with this. But Gen M, you know, when we started out, two years ago on, on the big journey of Gen M, you know, most people were saying there was between 25 and 35 symptoms. We could call out categorically 48 signs and symptoms and emotional, mental and physical issues there. And we just need to bring a better understanding. There will be many more that come up that we actually recognize over time. But right now, 48 is where it stands. And it's a good, it's a good number because, you know, it's certainly more than most people think, and it, but it's not too, too many to be too daunting either. 
And you talk about um, quite a bit women feeling uh, or becoming invisible once they start perimenopause. And that's kind of yeah. something in our society that is definitely um, pushed on us. So why does that happen? How does that happen? Can you talk us through how your initiatives at GenM are actively working towards changing this? Yeah. Well, again, it's not just through the symptoms of menopause that can make you feel invisible because your social anxiety might come along. You might start losing your confidence mm-hmm. in yourself. You might start feeling no one's listening to you at home and and, you know what, and, and it's there. But that that that's ha- impacting as an individual. But if you look and Im- implement and, and, and take on society as a whole, then whilst you're feeling like that and actually advertisers are not seeing women in midlife anymore they're not serving us they're not you know 88 percent of women in our research report showed that they felt invisible they felt underserved and they felt overlooked by brands and and, and society in general so when brands say to us well what do you mean how what how how do we impact midlife well actually they have a big role to play because if you're not seen you can't be something you can't aspire to be something else and actually if you feel that even in the shopping experience you're not you're you're no longer being being attributed or being considered well how does that impact you it makes you feel pretty damn you know on the pile up t- yeah. time up my time whereas actually you know and I do laugh and joke about this but it isn't funny that you know even in advertising you'll see 45 year old models and then it suddenly jumps to Jane Fonda and Helen Mirren don't get me wrong I want to be like Jane Fonda and Helen Mirren when I'm 78 or 81 or however old they are but I'm 54 where's the where's where's the you know where's the imagery of of women like me and I think imagery how we talk with women of our generation how we see them how we perceive them it all has to be accounted here because we we are not in advertising. We're not being delivered to. We're not being thought about in our customer experiences. You know, whether you're looking for menopausal products or not, you walk into a store. If you've got brain fog, sleep deprived, anxious overall, and then you've got to go searching for whatever you're searching for, whether it be menopause products or the tin of tuna. If it's not being made easy to you or, or someone's not thought, we better put great signage up here. We better make things clear. She's time deprived. She's anxious. She's overwrought. She's a, you know, she's a busy time poor woman. If you're not getting into the psyche of us, how are you being delivering to us? And so again, well, society owes us that understanding of what is going in our lives and how can we help that woman better? Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um, I want to go back to, and I love that statement that you made that we want a great menopause, not an okay one. Oh, completely. And that we're too, and, and I think women do this all the time in various different aspects of their life, but we often put ourselves on the back burner and we put others and other things ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the treatments? I want to go back to treatments that are available to women to ensure that they are having a great menopause um, because there are like, as we mentioned before, it's not just one way of doing it. Um, no. And there- and and I think that there's so much. No, I won't even say misinformation. There's just no information, yeah. really. Well, I, I, I say there's two whelms out there at the moment, and you either you hit a site and you're overwhelmed by information, and mm-hmm. it just becomes like overload, or you're overloaded by a, a site just dumping lots of products on you, and you just don't know where to start, or you're underwhelmed because there's nothing out there, and neither whelmed is good so what we need to do is better prepare women now again I'm not a doctor or a medic and I don't profess to be one but actually this is about what we need as a society is to give better education to the 48 symptoms and better choice to manage our menopause our way and that means from the lived experience of menopause so I can I can categorically tell you as a perimenopausal woman for the last six years that actually Food nutrition, the supplement, the food and nutrition that is putting into your body is essential to gaining your best, best um, experience of life. And that's regardless whether you're taking HRT or not HRT, you still need the right food in you. And actually, our generation of women are the first generation to hit menopause of those. We've been yo-yo dieters. We've been the trials. We've done the Atkins diet, the Cambridge diet, the cabbage soup diet. We have been through society and advertising and marketing. We have actually been the, the generation of women who've been calorie deficit. We've spent our life on calorie counting rather than nutritional counting and understanding. And so our bodies have hit menopause 
with the least nutrients of any ever generation. You know, my grandma had a better menopause than me because she do, she grew up plants in her allotment. She she didn't go to the gym. She actually didn't have a car. She went to the supermarket and carried all the bags on her way home. She did her strength exercises. She ate meat and three veg and she ate a balanced diet. I would argue that our generation of women, through all the changes that have happened, through the dieting, the calorie deficits and everything else, and don't forget we're the first generation of women to come through who've had fast food and equally convenience food as well. So nutrients, I cannot profess how any of your friends or anyone listening to this don't think it's a one-hit wonder to go and get HRT, whether you can take it or not. You have to look at your food intake. You have to look at your exercise you're doing. This is not all about sweating it out all the time. This is about doing your strength exercises. This is all about your breathing exercises. You know, don't poo-poo these things till you've tried them. I was a big sort of, oh, you know, yoga and Pilates, yummy mummy. I'm not a yummy mummy. Do you know, I'm a working woman. Do you know what I mean? This And, yeah. and I say this tongue-in-cheek, but actually, my God, if you do Pilates right, you're a strong woman. And we need yeah. to build the rhetoric around strength as well and actually be powerful rather than, you know, just that body that just fits looks great in a pair of, in in an outfit does your body look and feel great from the inside as well and we need to change that it's food nutrition but also it's about and the exercise but it's also about the lived experience as well if you are having hot sweats and they are breaking your night up and you're getting up in the middle of the night to change your sheets to change your pajamas to then go well I'm up now I'll make a cup of tea and then whilst I'm up I'll do my emails is it any wonder we we then get up in the morning and feel terrible now if you found climate controlled bedding and climate controlled pajamas that would wicker your sweat yes you'd have a hot sweat but actually after that two or three minutes it happens you could go straight back to sleep you're not lying in shivering in cold 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 um attire and again this is about finding ways that work for you making your lived experience of some of these symptoms better so i'm not going to say there's products out there that will get rid of all your symptoms but there are products that can help you have a better lived experience so nutrition exercise yes if you can take hrt and it suits you consider that with with the doctors as well again your confidence is it because i mean i've got really short hair now but my hair before I realized it was perimenopausal, was falling out and it was thinning. So I, I did the natural thing. I'm going to chop it all off. Now, had I realized that perimenopause, my hair would thin, but there was shampoos and products out there that would actually support it. I could have had my hair that was as long as yours, Jenny. But equally, yeah. I'm re- I really like my short hair, but I'm angry at myself that the choice went away from me. I took that choice. I, I thought, there's no other option here I'm cutting my hair so again this is all about understanding your symptoms and finding the solutions out there and there are they are out there and we can talk about that later on so I don't want to give the one answer here but vitamins nutrients supplements exercise these these aren't expensive things this isn't an expensive menopause these are things that you need to do we need women to not just diet because they're going to a a wedding or the beach we want them to diet now in a healthy way of diet as in this is the next 15 20 years of your life if you it's want the best absolutely yeah yeah and 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 you know you're in control of that and that, that's empowering to know that you are the one who are who's in control of that yeah. so some of these products so is this something that is part of the genem ethos and kind of initiative which is to when I go to the Sainsbury's or the Waitrose or any of my local supermarkets that I'm going to see your, the M stamp on it, that this is. Well, I'll I'll, I'll just give a little background to that because there's two perimenopausal women, me and my co-founder, Sam Simister, really felt when we started to search, not just our symptoms, but what could we do about it and how could we give ourselves a better lived experience. Think marathon running and your kit and everything else. And we really felt it. we were on the deep, dark web searching for night pyjamas or whatever it might be, dry vaginas, you know, where, where could it, it was four years ago when we started researching, it was a different world to what we're in now. But mm. still, we couldn't find those things. Now, again, we decided that I got quite angry about it because I, I then did some further research and said because I nonchalantly said why can't the world treat menopausal women as we've done vegans and actually Sam said explore that tell me more about it said well right now in the UK there's 15 and a half million women like us who are perimenopausal or menopausal and there's four percent vegans 
And I said, I look at the experience for a vegan. You walk into a store, you have your own aisle, you have your own marketing, you have your own merchandising, you have your own product development. You have, you actually have society and, 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 and brands wanting not to piss you off if you're a vegan. You don't want to piss a vegan off. Don't put the meat counter next to the vegan counter. You know, again, this is all there. So I said, why is it that we're a 20% market share? And we actually, with the highest consumer in in the world, you know, we were the decision makers of this generation, were the highest consumer spender with power. Why are we being made to feel invisible and overlooked and underserved? Have brands treat us and give us the same respect in the the only reason why the vegan market is is is, is so vibrant is because money's being spent on merchandising, marketing, signposting, not. For, all for good reasons. They're delivering on the needs of that vegan person. They know what they want. They know how they want to be served. And the brands and societies delivering to them. Yeah. Well, Gen M has decided that do what you've done for the vegans and do it for menopause. And Gen M are leading the way on that. We've created the menopause-friendly symbol that will actually go in signage in stores. We've got great brands working with us from Boots Walgreen right through to Sainsbury's and Tesco now. We've got these brands looking at how they can better signpost women to products. And it won't be long before one of those brands that in, in the world will do a menopause aisle. Why wouldn't we have our own aisle to a store? It just makes complete sense. Yep. But so it not just has to go on products and services. It's got to go on the packaging. It's got to be, it's not an accreditation. It's about giving women direction to what could possibly work for them. Because despite the fact that I say we want menopause to be the new vegan, we cannot be a vegan accreditation because not everyone's menopause is the same. Every woman experiences menopause differently. And what will work for me, if I sent you some of the great skincare that I'm now, I've, I've now found for myself, it well, might work for you, or it might not. Thank you. But, it, you know, but... It, it might work for you or it might not, but that doesn't doesn't mean to say it might not work for other women. I run in I run in hawkers. I tell my friends, oh, I've found these brilliant hawkers. They wear them and it, they might bliss them and go, oh, they didn't work for me. But one of my friends will go, wow, they were awesome. We have to be tolerant on this and recognize that it's our menopause. And so we need to find products that work well for us. But equally, the retailer, the brands need to signpost us to products that they believe have got the right... Um, ingredients in or the right technology or the right trust pilot to be able to give us a trusted idea of these could possibly work for us so our mtic is to give the the, the world a a normalization of menopause because the soon as the vegan sign came out and is put out there it became a normal part of society mm -hmm. the mtic is to give women the choice but also the credible choice because what we're doing is building trust with the brands to be able to say that any one of those 48 signs and symptoms, the products that our MTIC will go on will actually be able to be improved that they can release, relieve, ease or support any one of those symptoms. Right from a foundation that won't run down your face when you're on a, on a, on a call and having a hot sweat through to the bedding, through to nutrients and supplements and, 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 you know, and the food in the future that you might be taking on board in, into your body. We just need better preparation. So it's all exciting, but we need game change. And we need the respectability because, you know, 20% market share is an incredible market opportunity for brands to actually deliver commercially, but in a purposeful way, a game changing way for society to change. Because we as women don't know what we're looking for if it's not out there. And it's a chicken and egg. We can't tell the brands what we want when we don't know what our symptoms are. We don't know what's out there, but actually they also need to realize that They've got to put things out there and then go, wow, I didn't know I could take that. But actually, wow, that's awesome. Or my God, that chill pillow. My girlfriend is having the worst night's sleep. This could be game changing for her birthday. I'm going to treat her to a chill pillow. Do you, these are yeah. all, you know, let's make today better than yesterday. And if we all aspire to that, then we can look at the bigger picture. Because to actually look at what you've got to do to ensure a thriving menopause, it can be overwhelming. It can be daunting, but if we take it in baby steps and go, actually, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna see what I can do about going, having a good night's sleep. Get a good night's sleep, and then you start looking at. Actually, I feel good today. I'm gonna start looking at the food I'm gonna eat, and actually, I'm feeling really good on food, and I'm feeling really good with the exercise. Maybe I will nip down to the doctor and see if HRT could enhance this experience. Mm -hmm. But do not anyone think that HRT is the one silver bullet. You've yeah. got to take food and you've got to do the exercise to bare minimum on, on, on what else you need to do.
combination of things. Um, it's just, to me, what you're doing makes complete sense. The Gen M stamp is, you know, to me, a no brainer. I cannot believe that, you know, this has not been done before. So my next question to you is, you know, if, why, why, why has it taken this long um, to get to this place where we can identify what products and services will help, you know, mitigate um, the discomfort and, and get the information out. And if, and if this was a male issue, do you think that it would have taken this long? Because um, I see, I, I, it just kind of as a side note, there's so many, um, I grew up in Canada and they, they love a pharmaceutical advert on television, um, same as in the US. And there are so many advertisements on telly, in magazines, radio about erectile dysfunction. Yep. So uh, men struggling to get a hard on, Okay. Why, why can I go to the checkout counter and per- purchase a pill that's going yeah. to give me an erection, but I can't go and find a solution to help me with my night sweats? Yeah. Well, two things on it. And I don't want to be a blame monger of men, but actually men have talked about things more openly. It, it, yeah. Whether we want to believe it or not, they've actually gone, this isn't right. You know, I actually do believe, I mean, Robbie Williams is now, he's gone into menopause right now. I actually <laughs> do believe that men have yeah. a, a male version of menopause, but actually we've called it and laughed at it as a male life crisis. But what they've done is they've gone into reactive mode. And, and bear with me on these thoughts because I have got no, I have got no um, background and scientific proof of this. But I'm talking as a general woman who's witnessed many, many men in a life, um, and 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 through friends and everything else. Men go into a, a midlife crisis. They actually are feeling invisible, so they go and buy themselves a sports car. They feel the libido's gone, so they might actually go and find themselves a younger model of of a partner. This is all because it's not their issue; it's someone else's issue. I'm going to try myself out, and actually, oh, I'm not feeling best, but I'll go down. I'll go down to the gym, and I'm suddenly going to get a haircut, and I'm going to suddenly lose weight. What they've gone into is solution finding for their mm-hmm. issues. Not they've not thought about the why; they've just gone into solution finding. Whereas we, as generations of women, have just thought. I'm feeling invisible. This is how it is. I'm feeling like I'm getting old. These aches and pains. This is how it is. Oh, I've got brain fog. Let's everybody laugh that mum's got her glasses on top of her head, but she can't find them. You know, we've actually lived with them where the men haven't been prepared to live with them. So I don't want to blame men, but actually do I believe that actually had we been as open about talking and as openly unaccepting of situations as women, would we be in a different place? Yes, we would. Because I do believe it's back to women as ourselves valuing ourselves. And actually, the biggest barrier to women thriving is the barrier of women themselves giving themselves permission to thrive. And actually... That is the biggest, and no one wants to talk about that. You know, it's the same with the gender pay gap and everything else. The reason why, you know, yes, companies had to change. Yes, what we, we had to look at it better. But one of the biggest barriers was women didn't believe that they were worthy of asking for a pay rise because they didn't value themselves doing it. And I can talk non, I can talk about this because I worked with you, my previous business supports 30,000 women in middle management take the sales through the careers. And actually right. the one yeah. thing we, ne- we looked at, looking to what companies could do for them but not what women could do for themselves and actually back to health and menopause we have to put ourselves our health as our priority women will say i'm too i'm too busy with my career i'm too busy with my family i'm too busy with my aging parents and my own responsibilities think of my menopause if we don't prioritize our health and make ourselves be the best version of ourselves all those bricks and and responsibilities bricks are all going to come tumbling down anyway So I do urge every woman to actually aspire to be the best version of herself and aspire to deserve her best menopause and actually aspire to have every decade of our lives our best. Put yourself first and everybody else that you're responsible for second and they will still be delivered a better version of you and you will do it better on your responsibilities if we put ourselves first. And this is coming from a very selfish woman who's speaking here who's decided... (laughs) that enough's enough I've only got one life and yeah. I love everybody else and I want to make sure my life's a good one and if I make sure I'm the best version of me my kids will like me my, my work colleagues will like me my friendship group will like me better it's a win-win for everybody because let's be honest here you know more than anybody um if women thrive in our generation the world thrives and 100%. that 100 you know so you know, I feel like it, it, when it comes to the menopause 
there's so much shame around it. And, and I mean, I, I, I'm, I happily talk about most everything and everything most of the time, but what I think really struck me about having these conversations that I actually had to force with a lot of my female friends Mm -hmm. around menopause was that they were actually physically whispering yeah. Well, I've got an incredible funny story on that one because I've just come back from Vegas and um, we, we, we took, because um, Jen M's going to uh, to, to the USA and we were, we were on a big world, uh, global platform and at a conference last week. And a woman at the door was letting the people in who to actually um, come into in, into my, my, my speech. And one of the guys, and I was stood by the door, I was just about to go in, and one of the guys said to her, oh, just remind me, what's this, what's this presentation coming up? And she went, oh, it's menopause. Yeah. And I just pulled, I pulled her on one side and said, excuse me, sir, it's menopause, and actually you need to know why. And I turned to her and I said, you, I said, please, you're one of the Not reasons whispering. why we are where we are. Shout it loud and proud. And actually, you know, that was a woman on the door of a conference that was me speaking about menopause. And even she couldn't say menopause is a new vegan without doing menopause quietly. It's like, let's get over ourselves. We're guilty. Yeah. We we ourselves, everything starts with a conversation, but we can't have that conversation in a low whisper. We have to. Not just to girlfriends in 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 a night out in 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 a in a tight little room in our in our houses because we don't want to talk we don't we heard talking about it in a bar or yeah. a you know this is a societal it, at the moment it's a societal issue but i don't want it to be a, a, an issue i just want it to be an accepted transition in our lives i agree and, and i think that that's the right way to look at it but unfortunately as a society we have shame with aging Yes. Whereas aging is a privilege. Aging is a blessing. Completely. Yeah. And we need to start reframing how yeah. we view and how we speak about yeah. aging, specifically as women as well. Yeah, well, I I don't know about you, but I mean, this takes on a whole load of different things because I don't want anti-aging. Whatever, we are on a time level. You know, we we mm-hmm. whether we, we get the ability to live till we're 90 or not, Every day we're getting older, so we can't yep. anti-age, but we can learn to be the best version of ourselves, and we can aim to look the best of ourselves. Do you know what I mean? And it's it's not even you know oh oh you don't look fifty four. Actually, I look the age I am. End of story. Do, do you know what yep. I mean? Because this is me. It's it's not about age, but we've got to change the rhetoric, and that's about where the advertisers and the brands all can do a big impact here. Whether it be advertising insurance services right through to advertising chocolate cake, we've got to actually give the imagery and the belief that the we women are around. We women are a part of society, but equally we can aspire to be having a you know we're vibrant we're energetic this is our future I mean you look at you'll remember um obviously there's obviously friends has been talked about now but you know you and, and then there's the sex in the city that generation but yeah. you look at an imagery and it was on social media a few months ago where you got an imagery of the golden girls I don't know if you can remember that where it was yes, that three women yeah and, and they put them side by side golden girls versus sex in the city and the Sex in the City women were, on average, four years older than the Golden Girls. Now, again, we perceive the Golden Girls as old with the perms and everything else and old. But actually, that's how we want society to see us now. But actually, that it's moving that way to, to Sex in the City. But equally, it's got to be much more acceptable and just the norm, not, oh, wow, these are great actresses who are looking, wow, I don't look like that. I want to look like this. This should be an average of any woman in their midlife can feel and be and have the opportunity to feel and look like that if that's what they want want to do. And it is down to food and nutrition. It isn't. We don't want as well. And I'll finish on this one. None of us want actually menopausal years to be felt that people who are in different cultures or different ethnicities or different social groups that they can't afford menopause. This isn't a white middle-class celebrity issue. This is actually a societal issue. Every woman on the planet will enter menopause, whether she wants to believe it or not, at some point in her life. There is no running away from it. And actually every woman, social demographics, cultural-wise, ethnicity-wise, sexuality-wise, deserves an opportunity and ability 
to be that best version of herself. So we do need a lot of work on this. But please, let's just not think it's just for white middle class women right now and celebrity focus. It just can't be. Well, what you're doing is incredibly important work. Um, There's also huge opportunity from a business perspective. um, And I massively respect what Jen M is doing and how you're spearheading and trailblazing for all of us. Um, And I always ask this question at the end of my podcast to my guests. So I'm going to ask you as well. Was there ever a time in your life where you didn't speak up and out about something and you wish that you had? And why did you not? Um, Unfortunately, no, there hasn't ever been because I'm actually a, 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 a woman who was born up in Yorkshire with the accent <laughs> of the house. And actually, anything that I've ever felt has been wrong, I've actually put, I've never sat on a fence. I've actually been the defender. I've always built purposeful businesses and they've all come from things that I have found that could be improved. So I understand the question, but I have never put myself in a position where I've never, I've shot from the hip and I've thought there's been better times I could have thought about doing it. But have I ever regretted what I've said or not done? No, I could have done things better, but it's always been, I've never, ever let anything that I felt was wrong not to be heard my point of view on it. And actually, I don't believe anyone should just be about talking. It should be walking. And I've never, I brought my kids up never to actually give me an issue give me a solution to it as well. Highlight me an issue, but bring a solution along. And actually, I think if more of us could do that, we'd solve a lot more things a lot quicker because we all, we're all intelligent. We all have life experiences. We can all look at anything. I can walk into a Starbucks queue and see how it can better be, but do I bother doing it? But actually in life, if we've got a problem and we looked at it and we've thought of a solution, the least we can do is trial it out or give it someone the solution to be able to do it. So I know that's not really answered your question, but you're speaking There's to no the right wrong person here. I love it. Yeah, I've, I'm just a purposeful driven person who one day will look forward to actually having that ceremony's time and actually not seeing a problem that needs solving. But for now, there's too much work to be done to improve the menopause. And whilst ever, you know, people say, well, it's taken 40 years to grow the, the um, to grow the vegan business and build, build it inspiring. Why have you given Gen M only five years to be globally as recognized as the vegan V? Because I haven't got five years to wait. There's better things to be doing. I think let's get women to this great opportunity. Let's get the brands recognizing them. Let's serve this audience better in a way that they deserve. And then we can all get on. Because if you give women the opportunity to thrive in this period of time, we don't know what other great businesses are going to start, what other great campaigns are going to start, what how society is going to change. Because it's these women which will change the next generation's lives for the better. And that's exciting. Super exciting. And I, and, Thank you for the, the work that you're doing and, and being oh, honestly for a whole generation of women. And, well, and, and I, I we can't do it without the 90 plus brands that are on board with us and the biggest retailers, the biggest ingredients manufacturers, the biggest brands, because two perimenopausal women can create a, 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 a way of moving forward. But we do need those brands on board to then go and deploy it and execute it and deliver. And then we also need those consumers in the next few years going out to retailers and going out to the brands that like going, where's your empty? Where, why, why aren't you looking at me? You know, we, it, it's a whole chain that we need to, to build in this, but every link counts, every yeah. link. So, all right yeah. then. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. thank you for listening to the, why are we whispering podcast? We hope you enjoyed the episode. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast, wherever you're listening and leave a review. You can also follow us on Instagram at why whisper podcast. And don't forget to speak up and out. Let's stop whispering.